Hello, good afternoon, and welcome to CIO Leadership Live. I'm your host, Mary Fran Johnson, CEO of Mary Fran Johnson Media, and a contributing columnist and writer on CIO.com, where I cover boardroom and career strategies for technology leaders. Today, we welcome Fairfax County, Virginia, as a new sponsor of CIO Leadership Live. Innovation and opportunity for all is what Fairfax County has to offer, and you are invited to start, expand, or relocate your business to this global tech hub located just outside Washington, D.C. The corporate community there is accomplishing mission-critical work and making the world a better place. To learn more, go to fairfaxcountyeda.org. We're streaming to you live now on both LinkedIn and YouTube, and we welcome our viewers to join in today's conversation with questions of your own. Our editors will be watching for those questions and will do their best to pass them along to my guest. Well, I'm very pleased today to have as Ken Spangler. He is an executive vice president of IT and the CIO of the Global Operating Company Technologies for FedEx. Ken has spent the bulk of his technology leadership career with FedEx, and he's unique among the senior IT leaders there in having served as CIO of all four of the company's major multi-billion dollar global business units. That means he has been the CIO at various times of FedEx Express, FedEx Ground, Freight, and Logistics. Widely known in the technology industry and pretty much every other industry for a thriving culture of innovation. FedEx is a $90 billion plus business employing more than 600,000 people around the world and serving customers across 220 countries and territories. FedEx runs one of the largest air operations in the world with more than 700 aircraft and a ground fleet of more than 210,000 motorized vehicles, all to deliver more than 16 million shipments every day. So it's a very busy place there. And Ken, it's great to have you. Thanks for joining me today. Mary Fran, it's an honor to be here with you. And, uh, great, to be, great to be on your show today. Excellent. Well, I want you to start out. Tell us a little bit more about the meaning and the scope of your CIO role, which was created in 2020 for this global operating company technologies. Um, how does that work across the four businesses that I mentioned and what had to change to make that work? We well, you know it's a good question. It's a complex question, and I'll try to answer it briefly. But you know, basically, you know, and, and prior to that, as you said, I had you know had really grown up in uh, different operating companies, mainly in FedEx Ground, is where it's the most automated, largest transactions of the business businesses. But I was the CIO there a long time, and then FedEx Freight, then it was Express and Logistics as an executive vice president of our global part. But in 2020, we made a decision. And, and really, it was part of a change in the corporation where we changed our strategic operating principles. There's three of them. It's only six words, but they're, I always like to say they're a powerful six words. But we changed our strategic operating principles to compete collectively, operate collaboratively, and innovate digitally. And that operate collaboratively and innovate digitally said the synergies across these big, huge operating companies was very important. You know, they're, we're a federated business. We're one of the large federated businesses in the world. And clearly, the prior op strategic operating principles had operated independently. So starting in 2020, there was a dedicated focus on alignment of the technology, synergies across the companies, 
And that's why the role became so important. So it, it mm -hmm. was at that point that we created this role to, to have. So basically what that means is the, the senior vice president and CIOs of each of the operating companies and our international regions report, mm -hmm. report to me and we align as one team. Okay. Well, it's, it's funny too, because I always think of FedEx as already being very aligned and very collaborative and very innovative. So that I, I want you to dwell a little bit more on that operating collaboratively. Um, what sort of things changed in the last two years? And I know this was very much a rising to the occasion presented by the pandemic. Well, you know, one of the things, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the, the situation of the pandemic led us leap to the future, you know, we call it a slingshot to the future. The business mm -hmm. as a whole, you know, especially e-commerce because of, you know, what we do for a living, right? We, mm -hmm. early in the early in the pandemic, we said we slingshot five years to the future in yeah. the amount of growth, physical and digital growth and digital, you know, capacity, et cetera. So, you know, when, when that happened, you know, we had always, you know, obviously things like shared infrastructure, shared networks, and we had always created mm -hmm. a lot of synergy in that type of capabilities. However, prior to that, the operating companies were empowered to be, you know, and still are to be the best in every segment. Mm -hmm. But that meant there was a lot of uniqueness in the operating companies. And and the biggest change is we was we leaped ahead or slingshot ahead, like as we like to say, the capabilities the shared capabilities, the scaled capabilities, and the ability to use the other network. You know, an example is, you know, we started something and we've talked about this publicly a lot, you know, we call last mile optimization. In our okay. parcel businesses in the US, the FedEx Express and FedEx Ground businesses were both at record capacities during the pandemic and, and still mm -hmm. have amazing capacity or, you know, volumes today. But we started to utilize cross network capabilities for volume, for weather mm -hmm. challenges, et cetera. So last mile optimization said we would put it in the right network at the right cost to serve. And in that case, it was FedEx Ground delivering some FedEx Express packages. So, so mm -hmm. that's that's the just one example, you know, to give you a real world example, the yeah. way we optimize the network. It's about network optimization when you get to this kind of scale and especially this kind of short-term growth. Mm -hmm. So that became a major of ours, you know, we, where we like the uniqueness and the power of the operating companies. We want to have the best of both worlds right now. Still yes. have, you know, the, the these businesses are all special and they're, they're very uh, geared towards, you know, meeting the demands of the marketplace and especially our customers. But yes. the synergy across them is really important. Okay. Well, let's talk about uh, your customers and the way that the changes and the, the tweaks you've been making to your digital business models, the way those have had an impact on them. I had one CIO on recently that just kind of summed up the last two years as working through the great uncertainty. You know, it's so hard to know what the next six months will bring and, and that has had an impact on planning everywhere. How have your customers uh, what kind of impact have you seen? And maybe give us an example of a response to that from FedEx. Yeah, you know, and first of all, it's a great question. And there's there's multiple aspects of that question. You know, definitely in the, in the customer sense, just like our physical networks slingshot ahead to significantly more volume and demands, yeah. digital networks had to move ahead. And I would say, you know, the first thing is truly being a digital enterprise. You know, most of the time, if you go back, you know, some years, when most people would say digital, they meant just digital access, 
you know, yeah. and, and, you know, you know, how do you, you know, have mobile capabilities, et cetera. And clearly that's, you know, important. It's incredibly important. And, but that's, you know, that's just the entry point. You know, what we've seen over the last few years is really digital enablement of the business as a whole. And that is, you know, to, to our, to our focus, it's been an incredibly accelerated focus on data. You know, so first of all, let me say, during the pandemic, it was about scale, right? That was everybody, including a remote workforce. You know, I don't want to leave that. I mean, we'll definitely talk about the customer, but I don't want to leave mm-hmm. out the fact that, you know, all businesses, when people, you know, we had to protect everybody and you started to have as many people as you could work remotely, we had to scale that. And that's one of the most amazing things that happened for all businesses, right? And one of the things we even talked about, we had some some really significant uh, technology initiative successes. And when we were talking to the board, one of the things we actually said is, you know, what we learned the most is what we focus on and how we do it, how we architect and engineer became much more important than where we do it. Okay. So that was kind yeah. of the in- internal focus. Now, externally to the customers, it was truly becoming a digital enterprise. So what it was digital access, sure, but it was digital optimization. It was creating a new level of visibility of supply chains. And in that sense, this is really an important part and something really we're proud of at FedEx is Mm -hmm. we're driving ahead a focus where we actually created an entity, a separate part of FedEx called DataWorks. And DataWorks in a strategic partnership with Microsoft, we are increasing all kinds of visibility and optimization for our customers and Mm -hmm. for our network. So that's probably the greatest example I can give you is by creating DataWorks, by, you know, majoring in this space of all decision science, all, you know, machine learning, AI, we are majoring in that. And we are, first of all, benefiting our customers and also benefiting the types of service, the capabilities we can provide, et cetera, as we optimize the network in, in real time and beyond. Yeah. Well, I remember one of the things we talked about, and I, I think this was a, a question that truly has been settled for not just CIOs and technology leaders, but for CEOs as well, that where you're working and what you're doing when you're working there is the productivity doesn't suffer. In fact, it's been, if anything, it got a little lopsided. It got so people were a little too productive working from home. Um, but you Tell me the, the story again about what the six hours of wasted time commuting you found in your own week. Well, you know, and it was just it was one of those accidental finds. You know, we all have had a joke in business or in our personal lives. We always, you know, say, if only I had that eighth day of the week, you know, that's just a joke <laughs> forever, right? Yeah. And early in the pandemic, you know, we were working a lot because, you know, we were running a global network and the demands on that global network were amazing. You know, we had even kind of a, a daily 7 a.m. call just on operational you know, focus areas every single day. Mm-hmm. I started to find out is it was amazing how much more we had moving at the same time and able yeah. to stay closely connected to it. And so just, you know, I'm an analytical person, obviously by background of what mm-hmm. I do, but right away I started to figure out why are we able to get more focused on this? And in my own personal case, mm-hmm. um, you know, my, my office is in Memphis, Tennessee, headquarters of FedEx, but we have mm-hmm. some significant campuses here. We have a lot of people. And, you know, we were all in lots of physical meetings and moving and traveling, et cetera. Yeah. And I realized, did a quick study, and I realized that just the logistics of being in all these different meetings, all these different places, there was an average of six hours a week that was mm-hmm. utilized in moving, you know, physically moving. That all of a sudden, when you were digitally moving to these same meetings, it yeah. disappeared. So that yeah. was my, my joke became, I found the eighth day of the week. 
Mm-hmm. And, uh, but that was, you know, and if you got on airplanes or so, it was a lot more than that. Now, don't get me wrong. Like I'm going to, when I leave this uh, meeting with you or this uh, event with you, I mm-hmm. go to a planning meeting where we're going to be in person. You know, there's so much benefit and so much power to being oh, in person. And I know. collaboration, synergy, ideation, all that's incredibly important. However, the hybrid world, you know, the hybrids yeah. always win is, is, uh, is what we're finding. The benefit was incredible to be able to mm-hmm. digitally move at the same speed or to even a faster speed. Yeah. And now we're finding we need both of those. Well, and I think, and uh, didn't you tell me that's one of uh, Rob Carter's famous sayings that hybrids always win. Well, and, I've said that for years. It's a, and I, <laughs> in fact, he, he, you know, he always says when he retires someday, he may write a book called hybrids always win. And we have mm-hmm. found that at FedEx. I mean, obviously Rob's just a brilliant guy and a, and a, and a great leader. And we're always looking at the future and mm-hmm. that's what we often find if we get too harsh and we're not open-minded that, you know, sometimes we miss the cues. So we're always open, especially under, you know, Rob's vision of, of, of hybrid models. And, and it's yeah. interesting the way post pandemic, the way we even see our workforce, you know, and everybody talks about today, hybrid and workforce is common, but we view sure. it hybrids in technology and, you know, digital, et cetera. So. Yeah. Well, in some ways, it seems almost obvious. Uh, We're having all these conversations among CIOs, CEOs, boards of directors. You know, what is the workplace of the future going to look like when I I think it's it seems to me and the technology leaders I talk to that it's very clearly going to be hybrid and that technology is going to enable that. So it's it's almost like it's becoming more of a a work cadence or a flow, or maybe it's become an HR issue of how you figure out this hybrid workplace of the future. Um, Tell me what FedEx, what some of your companies, what has changed in them as they have adapted to being everybody's hybrid. As you say, you're going into a meeting uh, later today with lots of people in person, but that doesn't mean that you're going to be full-time in person for the rest of the year. Oh, absolutely. You know, in fact, we've created a, you know, I'll describe a couple concepts. You know, one of our core colors is FedEx is purple, right? So we, yeah. we actually call it purple flex. So the branding mm-hmm. and what we see the future is, is purple flex. And in there, there's a lot of things that I think a lot of companies are talking about. Like what are team days? You know, when do teams yeah. get together? And that's a team day, you know, and in those cases, it's a lot more in person, um, mm-hmm. but, but clearly it's a hybrid model. You know, we have found, and this is, I think the, at the heart of your question is, you know, humans always learn and adapt, right? And yeah. during the pandemic, we learned so many benefits. And, and we found that, you know, where this is the digital generation, right? And, mm-hmm. and as, as, you know, the digital generation knows that there, there's so many ways to be connected and work and be effective with your time. So we yeah. want to utilize that. We want to have the best of that. And yet the idea of Purple Flex and Team Days is there's a lot of cultural aspects. There's a lot of brainstorming. I said ideation before, design thinking. A lot of, you, you can certainly do that remotely. And a lot of, we do it every day. But yeah. there's some advantages. There's certainly advantages of when you're in person. So for us, it has been about, you know, even redesigning a lot of our facilities, modernizing our facilities, mm-hmm. you know, creating, you know, the, the environment where people can sign up, whether it's a hoteling capability or any kind of, you know, whiteboarding space or any collaboration mm-hmm. space. Obviously, we have, you know, we work in all agile. So, you know, we have a lot of space for that. But the whole concept has been under Purple Flex and what we're doing about team days is how we're really making hybrid be real. You know, I always call it making it real. That, that's our yes. part of making it real. 
Okay. Well, let's pivot next to talk a little bit more about the technology and, well, it's really technology and business priorities moving forward. What sort of things have shifted up or down your list as you look into the rest of 22 and even 2023? Well, you know, clearly there's the traditional things for everybody. I mean, obviously on the cyber front, that is just an every day, every minute, you know, that is clearly a top focus and will continue to be that going forward. There's no end in sight mm-hmm. to that. But I would, you know, I would, I would kind of start your question at the very beginning and say, you know, we were very focused even pre-pandemic and have just accelerated during the pandemic about truly being a lean, agile enterprise. You know, everybody will say, you know, we're agile and we were too, you know, we were doing agile development many years ago, right? Sure. Yeah. But really we drove a program, enterprise business agility. And sure, it was based on the principles of safe to scaled agile framework, but, but very important to us, it was in a federated business, how do we understand what are the enterprise priorities of FedEx Corporation, as well mm-hmm. as what are the unique priorities in these huge, as you introduced, you know, multi-billion dollar businesses themselves. So yeah. our program, our focus on this is enterprise business agility to do that, to determine. And then underneath of that, there's really two big arms. There is what we call common lean portfolio management. And based mm-hmm. simplified to its easiest term, it's common processes, taxonomy, and tooling about mm-hmm. what we work on and how we work around the enterprise. And then number two is truly having enterprise portfolio management, which says, you know, we have multiple portfolios simplified down. The operating companies reach a portfolio, and then we have an enterprise portfolio. So okay. with that said, the answer, you know, the real, that's the setup of saying, we have focused on the equal balance of the what and the how we work. And that's made mm-hmm. us all more efficient. And then, you know, besides cyber, there's clearly tremendous focus on network optimization. We have a lot of focus on that. That's become an increasing, you know, mm-hmm. dedicated focus of FedEx Corporation. There's a lot of dedicated, we're always modernizing, right? We always keep modern technologies, keep it up to date, keep it patched, all those things. But we believe there's a dedicated focus on untethering from the past. So legacy technologies that are still, you know, inside and are core to companies, they don't, ju- don't just fade away. You have to focus on them. So we, we have do. a lot of focus on untethering from the past and legacy technologies. The, you know, and a lot of them were, you know, we're most of the way through, but the hard, the sticky part's the hard part. So we're doing a lot of that and we do it. We're really focused in three areas, environment shaping. So think of, and, mm-hmm. and I'll give you a real world example. You know, we made a decision. We were not in the future going to run FedEx-owned data centers. We've mostly retired every one of them internationally. We still have some U.S. data centers. But over the next five years, we are going to what we call a 0-50-50 strategy, which is colo. We will run our own stack in a colo data center or data centers, obviously plural, and then cloud. So it's a cloud and colo strategy. But, you know, there's also an edge part of this. So the other answer to your question is, you know, besides cyber and a lot of the network optimization, but this untethering from the past is the lead to, it's the release to the future. And clearly that is a future where we're running our, all of our technology stack and colo and cloud mm-hmm. capabilities. Yeah. And certainly data, you know, and I'm not trying to say these are in particular because, you know, data is just a tremendous focus of ours. And that's another one. So I'm just trying to give you the big buckets that have accelerated to your question in the last couple yes. of years. Those have clearly and dramatically accelerated in the last few years. 
Right. Well, I remember when we talked to um, you were explaining about the way the strategic operating principles had changed and they were the PSP model, people, service, profits. That was kind of the past. Talk about the new pillars, the things that you're operating under, because these impact the way you act as a leader. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's a couple Let me frame this up. You know, there's there's the strategic operating principles which are based on, and I mentioned those earlier, they're based on the structure of the corporation and how we come to market. You know, compete collectively, that means we're one FedEx to our customers in the marketplace, okay? Yes. Operate mm-hmm. collaboratively recognizes the fact that we run these specialized, you know, huge, you know, operating companies, but we're collaborating across them powerfully. And Innovate Digitally says we're changing what's possible in supply chains and, and networks, you know, around the world. But what you were referring to also and was our cult. So that's our strategic operating principles. But our cultural right. principles, you know, and this is the brilliance of Fred Smith from the very beginning, you know, but our, our culture is based on people, service, profit. It's a continuum. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all three of those continuing to be successful together, but with being a people first company. So that's our culture. But, mm-hmm. but we just recently updated what we call our cultural values. And there okay. are five cultural values that are, I think they just, they, they speak so much of what FedEx is about. Mm-hmm. You know, number one is take care of each other. Number two is commit to do good. Number three is own outstanding. Number four is drive business results. And then number five is create what's next. You know, any one of those five, they all have a, you know, we have breakdowns of them. They all mean something. But sure. put together, Put together, it's a summation of people, service, profit. You know, it's that continuum. If we do all those things and we we create and do good things for our customers, our shareholders, our employees, then then great things will happen. So so mm-hmm. updating cultural values have been very important to us. And, and you know, while they're all equally important, it was it was no, you know, no surprise or no mystery at all why take care of each other was number one. You know, it's yes. just a, it's a big part of the people first culture of FedEx. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and you'd mentioned too, that instead of a lot of individual priorities, this kind of connectivity and these discussions you've been having about the cultural changes and all, that this is so well suited for the era of the connected enterprise. And I feel like that's something that we've talked about a lot with CIOs over the years, but it feels more real these days for some reason. Do you find that? Am I just making that up? <laughs> no, absolutely. In fact, uh, it's one of my, um, you know, probably uh, primary talking points whenever I talk to any of our large groups. And I just did a global town hall last week of my team all around the world. And I had our CFO as a, we did a kind of a fireside chat. And uh, yep. one of the things, you know, both myself and our CIO were focused on is, this is clearly the era of the connected enterprise and it's the era of value, you know, and it's, it's identifying what's true value, you know, what's the value you're after and then realizing the value. And so for us, you know, especially as being a, you know, massive global corporation, but, all, but also one that's had a federated business model, it has been that that's value comes from the connection of the enterprise. So mm-hmm. literally, and again, I, you know, I, you just, set this question up. We didn't pre-plan this at all, but literally if I said my town hall by the end of it ended up, we didn't plan it this way, but it was, it was, it was, you know, meant to be just a town hall. We take live questions and everything. But if I said it ended with two themes, the two themes were connected enterprise. It's the era of the connected enterprise that's accelerating. Mm -hmm. 
And the second big theme is the way we identify and realize value is going to have a whole different level of focus going forward. Yeah. And, and so, you, you know, again, it's the, the connected enterprise enables that, but, but we're here to drive value, value for employees, mm-hmm. customers, shareholders. We have to have drive value across the board. And that's where the focus has really gone for us. Well, and, and when you think about that list of five, how it's take care of each other is first. And I know they're not necessarily in order of importance, but it's it's really, I don't know, it's just, it's nice to see that, you know, driving business results is not always number one. I think that that's a lot that the world has learned over the last two years with what everybody is going through. Yeah, absolutely. It's a balance across all of them. Sure. I mean, clearly, they're taking care of each other. That was purposely number one, you know, but, know. but if you think of even drive business results and create what's next, you know, both of them matter. You know I mean? You're driving mm-hmm. results, but if you just drive results and you're not a business that's looking and driving and building and delivering on the future, well, then that driving business results will be short-lived. Yeah. You know, that's one of the things that's, you know, I, maybe I'm just proud of, or I've been excited about of being in FedEx for so many years, you know, clearly with a founder and a, you know, mm-hmm. chairman, uh, Fred Smith, it's always been his focus, you know, it's, to, yes. you know, in fact, one of our, uh, you know, big pillars is where now meets next. I mean, one of our, you know, in fact, mm-hmm. it's been marketing, you hear, see it on, as we go to the marketplace, you hear us talk a lot about where now meets next. And if mm-hmm. we have to deliver today, we have to do great things today, but we have to contribute in all parts, whether it's, you know, sustainability and overall ESG or anywhere mm-hmm. else, where now meets next, we have to be both. And so that's why when you look at those cultural values, they tell you a lot about what we really believe and what we do. Yeah. Well, that reminds me too, when we were talking earlier, you told me that one of the FedEx sayings inside of IT is to ask the question, are these jobs or assignments? That there are some things that become so important, like with FedEx DataWorks, for instance, that it's not just somebody's assignment that they add onto their job, but it becomes a job in and of itself. Talk a little bit about uh, some of the things that have become jobs rather than assignments over the last well, last two years that you've been uh, EVP of IT and CIO of the Global Opco. Well, you know, first of all, it's a great question. And I, um, you know, I realized pretty early on in my, you know, executive management career, which I've obviously, you know, been mm-hmm. the vice president or above level for a long time. But yeah. I realized on that, you know, it was easy to just keep creating assignments, you know, put that next thing on the pile, right? And, but there's a real differentiation when you needed, you know, we, we also call it majors and minors. Is this a major or is this something we're minoring in? Clearly, if it's something you're majoring in and it needs dedicated focus, then we said, these, this is a job, not an assignment. So we created clarity of that. Mm-hmm. To answer your question, you know, data, you know, FedEx DataWorks is a perfect example. That is a clear example. These are dedicated jobs. Yes. Dedicated team with specialty roles. I mean, the easy thing is to say, do you have data scientists? Well, of course. But there are many more roles that have to be, oh gosh, there. Yes. you know, and even even things like, you know, something is, you know, straightforward today is saying, you know, how do you design and engineer an ingestion framework, you know, but everything mm-hmm. from the technical aspects to the way we bring it to market. In this case, they were jobs. Another yes. one I, I kind of alluded to earlier, but to be very specific is, you know, we're going to going to be a lean, agile enterprise. Well, it's easy to say we're just going to we're just going to now be an agile enterprise. But we literally put dedicated roles in place, okay? And part of that was modernizing, you know, so there's two things. We put dedicated roles in a group that run enterprise business agility. That group happens to report to me in FedEx, but it's, it's, a, it's a small but mighty group who people are, of people who are dedicated 
to helping transform, do the organizational change management. So we're truly a lean agile enterprise. That was another example. These are jobs, you know, not assignments. But then also, you know, throughout the enterprise, as we work agile, you know, it was it was important that besides jobs versus assignments, that the titles are accurate too. And we did a we did a lot of that focused on the right titles for the right jobs going forward. Yes. So very kind of a long answer, but yeah, definitely there is you know, clearly a job versus an assignment and then being clear about what these jobs really are. That was the two mm-hmm. sides of that, that made yes. us really need to transform. Well, and no apologies about long answers. I'm the one who asks long rambling questions. So fair enough, right? <laughs> um, you, In fact, that reminds me, the job uh, titles, you said that 77% of your job titles have been changed, upgraded, I don't digitally enhanced. Uh, t- talk about that a little bit. What was what was that? Well, absolutely. You know, the big focus there was, you know, there's a lot of reasons. I mean, people is the people side, and we have a we have a dedicated focus on something called talent shaping. And you know, it is it is uh, and in talent shaping, there's a lot of things we're focused on, but one of them was ensuring a modern workforce, you know, and that's everything from growth and learning and education and all the traditional things. But yeah. right away, it became apparent that, you know, the, the industry has changed. Our focus has changed. What's important to us has changed. And the mm-hmm. titles reflect that. So we've been undergoing, this is, um, you know, um, almost probably two years in the making and still going because yeah. only 77%. But we basically looked at every job and said, what is the, what are we really trying to be as we go forward? What's the modern version of that job? And then we updated the titles. So, I, you know, I already mentioned some examples, but in, you know, think of it, you know, working in Agile inside of the, you know, mm-hmm. we're a lean Agile enterprise, sure. But inside you're, you know, in a safe principle, you're working on release trains. You know, we have large solution trains. We have, you know, release trains. We have scrum teams, even mm-hmm. literally, you know, a lot of people thought a project manager, well, that's just a scrum master, you know, well, really, right. not really, you know what I mean? There's differences right. between a project manager and a scrum master. Yeah. And so we literally upgraded, you know, from scrum masters, release train engineers, you know, product owners, product mm-hmm. managers, you know, but all the data positions, including, you know, we already mentioned data yeah. scientists, et cetera. So we went through every single job family and we went through a description of what is, the, what was the job? What is the job? Mm-hmm. Some of the old ones, they still applicable today and they should stay, or should they be different, including soft, you know, all the disciplines, software engineering, data, infrastructure, mm-hmm. you know, project management through the lean agile jobs. So every single job family we've gone through and we 77% of them, as we said, are already updated. But I will mm-hmm. tell you that, you know, the reason they're not all there yet is some of them are, you know, they're kind of in the middle of transition and we're, yeah. we're really trying to decide what's the right titles and the breakdown. Interestingly enough, one of the one of the things that's always been so important in IT, architecture positions. You know, you and I have had a thing for years. You win or lose at the architecture level. You know, yeah. I always say you lead with architecture and engineering architecture. You lead with engineering and architecture. But even some of those, you know, and breaking down what are truly enterprise architects versus solutions architects or domain architects, you know, we're even working that at a different level because the different groups have different definitions in the past. We're yeah. trying to have one definition. So Yep. Again, I think these are long answers, but the truth is okay. this is a really important area because people, you know, it provides clarity of not only what the role is, but the excitement of what, you know, what these jobs really are and that they're modern jobs. So we're going to keep pushing hard at this. There's no doubt about it. 
Well, and it also shows you no matter where you are on the career ladder at FedEx, um, you can actually see what the other rungs are. I would assume these are not just titles, they have descriptions with them. So yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, but data scientists and data architect, you know, that's another thing, you know, there's, there's, there's kind of old and new connections to some of those, but we, we want to make sure we keep them modernized going forward. Well, I've heard arguments about data engineer versus software engineer. So this this stuff matters. A one CIO friend of mine a few years ago uh, was having a retention problem, and he partly solved it by add, just adding the word digital to a lot of the his software engineering titles. And mm-hmm. that just helped people feel like, well, yeah, we're advancing with the industry as we go. And speaking of all that, we have a question from our alert and uh, watching audience. And would you be able to share your lessons learned in terms of change acceptance and resistance in your transformation toward this lean, agile business model? What are some specific steps you took to deal with that? That is that's, a That's question. a very good question. You know, and, <laughs> yep. and one of the things that I will tell you, I'll, I'll give you a framework that we started with a few years back and, and how we had to evolve it. You know, when we were really driving the principles of lean agile and truly an enterprise business building program, we knew there was four areas of focus. It was first was people. Second was process. Third was architecture. And what we thought the fourth one was, was communication, communicating, keeping everybody you know aware and engaged and understanding okay. change. And so, you know, people was about, again, the new roles, what are jobs or assignments, titles, all things we've talked about, you know, process was, you know, when you're, you know, when you're, truly going from some things that were still waterfall to being truly full agile. There was a lot of processes to change, which also, yeah. man, especially if you think of the scaled agile framework or safe, the way you decomponentize work, there was a big focus on architecture change, including that business architecture and roles in the business that are really titled business architects became an incredibly important part of it. So we had to drive that. And then we mm-hmm. thought we just communicated. But the, the heart of this question is early on, we realized we were wrong with that fourth one. It wasn't communications. It was OCM. It was organizational change management. And we really got to the point that says it isn't just about communicating. It's, you know, it's all the principles of driving an organization through change. We use the ADCAR model, you know, and ADCAR starts with, you know, just awareness, you know, but, but literally we, uh, we drove the fourth focus area as organizational change management. And, and the, you know, the heart of this question is, will you have a lot of resistance? Did you have a lot of resistance? Absolutely. Especially early on. And, and, and again, because we were just communicating and we were sometimes communicating like, Oh, you know, just, just do this. It's the greatest thing you'll ever see. Yeah. That was the bad. What we really had to do was educate and describe and show value. And so it was lots of resistance. Yes. But Mm -hmm. we were leader led, we were leading it and we were, you know, you know, the he, saying, he you're led by it. you know, mm-hmm. one of the things, there's another funny one. Early on, we're, we're, we're driving this, you know, it's a framework of people, process, architecture, communications. We're, we're, you know, making mm-hmm. all this change. We're driving it forward and we're managing it in a waterfall fashion. You know, and, and we were like, oh. right away, we wanted to hit ourselves <laughs> on the side of the head and go, what are we doing? So we changed it to, a, you know, mm-hmm. a truly agile structure, you know, a, a, a PI cadence, which are in our model, it's 10 week PIs two-week sprints. So we literally started to manage the change in the OCM as we moved to it in 10-week planning increments, two-week sprints, and we were delivering change. 
And then as people started to see the value, you know, we, we could show and demonstrate the benefits of being, you know, being driving towards lean agile. And then, you know, I already mentioned the word leader led once the value started to show up, mm-hmm. even on all aspects, you know, obviously from technology and engineering, that was the partnership we had. We started with IT and our engineering partners is really the business and IT champions to put this together. Mm-hmm. But there was a lot of resistance everywhere else. As soon as we could show demonstrated value of speed and, you know, value realization, yeah. then we started to get all the other disciplines to come along. And then, and then that's where it became leader led. Each of the leaders of their own functions were championing to get educated and to embrace our new way of working. And so all the things that used to be steering committees or we'd have these, you know, I would call them PACs, portfolio action committees. I think I remember the name now. <laughs> they were everywhere. I mean, they were all over the place, you know. Yeah. And when you sat down and you looked at how many initiatives are prioritized, I will tell you the real number was in the thousands. Okay. Wow. Yeah. And suddenly we got down and we said, if you look at the enterprise around the world, it's a total of nine portfolios. And we are going to manage it as nine portfolios with one enterprise, one that creates clarity of what's the enterprise priorities. And so if you're still an opco, you know, you're still, you're, these opcos are huge. They have, still have their priorities, but sure. there's a, there's great, perfect visibility or increasingly perfect visibility of the <laughs> enterprise and the opco priorities. And how in a lean agile enterprise, especially as, you know, it's a pool, not a push model, you pull work every 10 week, every 10 week yeah. planning increments, all of these, you know, massive teams out there pull work every 10 weeks. And, and clearly, you know, and again, I'm, I'm trying not to be too long here, but the, you know, clearly <laughs> what you're seeing, what you're seeing is, you know, we're able to do more. We're yeah. able to do it faster. And more importantly, it has a great focus. You know, the whole, one of the biggest principles of Agile, right, is take an economic view. So we're looking at what's the most valuable things. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you know, once you see success, it's the, the side of it gets easier. So the question is, you know, was there a lot of resistance? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was hard to get past that, but it was, it was really the discipline of making this leader led and showing value. Yeah. And then once the team started executing this way, I would literally show up in meetings just physically before the uh, pandemic and, and mm-hmm. since then digitally. And the first time I was in a group session, uh, somebody came up to me that I'd worked with for decades and said, I hope we never go back to the way we used to work. She said, this is how you feel like a small, nimble company. And uh, that was the, you know, there was a many comments like that, but that was the one line that caught me right away. You feel like yeah. a small, nimble company, like a startup. And, mm-hmm. and I thought, boy, if somebody in the heart of what they were working on, which was huge, felt that way we were on the road to you know being much more successful and, and faster in the way we did work and that's that's really been the story now it's a journey that it's a journey that continues i mean we're there's still right in every company there'll be more priorities than there is capacity right there'll be more work than there's capacity so it's about value you got to work on the most important things well there may be more assignments than there are jobs you know that can take them on well and you talked too when we spoke earlier about how a, it was a transformation you know moving fast toward the future uh, example about how it can go badly when you haven't done that um, that assessment of the organiza- organizational change management involved and i've had i've had other cios point that out that people think that you put the people process and technology and then you communicate about it but then there's this kind of like secret underlining on it that's all about the culture and how people are feeling about their work and that's managing change 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, the, the cultural aspects are always number one. And then focused on organizational change management is, is how you, you know, drive it forward. But I'll tell you one, there's a, uh, you know, one of the things, I guess, you know, being in FedEx for so many years, traveling the world, meeting with different regions, different groups, you know, I, I kind of developed this, this, this focused uh, focus on listening where you hear words like we and us, when everybody's talking about any kind of change or any kind of, you know, dedicated focused work we're doing, when the teams keep saying we and us, I always know it's going to be successful. And mm-hmm. you know, in some of early on, I would say, you know, to that last question, one of the things that early on was, you know, there's a lot of them and they, or they want to change or, and, and that's yeah. what I knew we had a lot of work to do. And that's what really changed us from just communicating to driving on principles of organizational change management, the OCM part of it. Right. And that's where, that's where the they and them started to become we and us. And it, it got, and yeah. again, I, I don't want to say this, this is a journey. It's over. I just said that a minute ago. I know, but you know, this <laughs> continues to be a real focus for us. But, but the we and us is becoming more apparent every day. Yeah, well, that's good. Now, this is a, we partly, I think, answered this when we started talking about the changes to job titles and the updates that, but there was a question about whether you made changes to performance management systems where you added core values as part of the measurement criteria. And, um, I'm, you know, that's really, I think, around the people aspects of how you were managing this change and upgrading and changing titles and all that. I would assume that the per- performance management measures changed along with that. Yeah, absolutely. With it and, you know, both um, just as, as one of our cultural focuses, but we went much more to something we call coach forward. Okay. okay. And so it's a much mm-hmm. more engaged coaching model. And, you know, a lot of the performance mm-hmm. management of the past was just too often either quarterly or annually yeah. Where it's just, hey, here's what's going right. Here's what's going wrong, you know, and, and we are taking a much, much greater engaged focus on just it's, it's all aspects of coaching and it's continued. Mm-hmm. So, Good. you know, clearly, the, you mm-hmm. know, there's a lot more to it than that. But, you know, yeah. if people, you know, if, if if people are working together and see that we're driving towards a modern future, all of us. Right. And, mm-hmm. and it includes modern titles and all the other things we talked about then how we communicate and work together is an imperative to success. That's why we've taken much more of this coach forward model and uh, mm-hmm. you're seeing so many benefits of it. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, also it's not, you know, again, it's just another form of lean agile, right? I hate to say it, but, you know, I almost felt yeah. like the, the, uh, you know, the annual performance reviews of the past were just a waterfall method of, uh, of, you know, uh, performance management and, and it's yeah. about, it's about team engagement and and team success. And so that's well, why the Coach Forward model is successful for us. Well, and just Coach Forward models, it's just, it's so, it's, it's such a nicer terminology. When you say performance management, it kind of makes your, your spine straighten up a little bit. I can remember having arguments about, well, why did I only get an excellent rating on that and not an above and beyond? You know, I mean, it, it, when it becomes about data where someone is putting numbers on you, I think it's very difficult for people to not argue with that, right? Especially, I was thinking technology people who are very data-driven to begin with. Uh, let me see. Another question we have is about addressing sustainability in technology. And I know you, you mentioned the zero 50-50 and closing down data centers. And I know this may be a little beyond your purview with the op 
UPCO uh, with the UPCO technologies, but is there anything you want to um, respond to that on addressing sustainability issues in technology? Well, you know, I will say addressing sustainability as a whole is definitely a major, it's a focus. And talk about, you know, we talked about jobs versus assignments. So our ESG job, not an assignment. Whole, yeah is mm-hmm. dedicated jobs, okay? So we've created a focus. We've said as a corporation, we're going to invest more than it's now actually $2 billion in, on all aspects of ESG. Um, you know, we were electrifying our fleet around the world. There's so many things we're doing. And that, so that's the major. And inside of that, there are technology components, okay? Mm-hmm. And certainly, you know, from from starting year, you know, again, it's it's really... Um, front and center to all companies today, but, you know, years ago, you know, decades ago, the whole principle, one of our enterprise data centers is in Colorado Springs and on the, you know, that part of off the Rockies and the, you know, the environmental aspects and the, the ability to get, you know, much uh, more efficient cooling. I mean, we started that decades ago as a real important part of, because, you know, data centers are a you know, big consumer of power and the demands of cooling, et cetera. So we've always been focused on it, you know, all the way back when we just say that's a gold lead certified data center. But today it's just, it's just part of the bigger ESG focus of FedEx Corporation. There's no doubt about okay. it. And it, it would be in every aspect of technology um, and then our physical assets as well. So, so yes, it's, it's a definite focus. Yes, we, we do report on it like everybody else. In fact, another thing I'd mentioned is, you know, before ESG became the, you know, uh, how everybody looks at this and uh, the standard terminology we created every single year, we created what was called a global citizenship report. And that's yeah. where we talked about all the things we were doing there. So yes, yeah. it's the focus. Um, it's an increasing focus. And yes, we're putting a lot of investment to it. Mm-hmm. But this is, this is where we think, you know, not only is it the right thing to do, there's return on it as well. Sure. Okay, now next question I think you'll enjoy a lot. What did you change in your leadership style to attract and hold on to talent? How has FedEx on the technology front dealt with the great attrition or the great, what is it being called? The great resignation. I know most companies, no matter how great their reputations have had more turnover and more higher attrition numbers um, than in the past. So what is your... What's your approach been to that? Well, you know, first of all, you know, the, there's there's uh, a lot of different terminology around it, as you started with. And, uh, you know, one of the things we've liked to say, in fact, Rob says this a lot, is, uh, you know, the great reassessment. You know, ah, you know many people got to like reassess mm-hmm. during the pandemic. You know, life changed, business changed, locations changed. So many things changed. So, so we view it as kind of the great reassessment, first of all. Okay. Okay. Good. And we think you know, being tightly connected with our team members and and helping with that is important. Now, mm-hmm. I will say, you know, we're certainly not seeing, you know, massive attrition like many businesses are reporting, but we mm-hmm. are seeing more. Mm-hmm. So, you know, our focus in this has been doing the right things for the team members. And, you know, that we've talked about many of the things from, you know, what is the work? You know, what's the modern work, the exciting work? How does it make a difference? You know, one of the things we like to say in FedEx, you know, what we do matters, right? So connecting mm-hmm. the work to how it matters, both in society and the success of our customers and what we do in supply chains, success in, you know, to and what we deliver our shareholders, et cetera. So we like to connect the work to value, okay? Mm-hmm. We like to make sure we're driving towards modern work and teams feel empowered. Growth and learning is a big part of it. 
obviously there's, you know, benefits and comp and all those kind of aspects as well. But, you know, it, it, we do think and, and it's kind of, this is the, this question's a great culmination of so many things we talked about. We think the hybrid work model is a big part of it, right? We think the, our cultural pillars, you know, we've always, you know, FedExers, it's funny, we just, we had uh, something this morning in, in the live chat, um, something came up about how many tenured people there are and everybody started putting in like just in live chat, you know, 25 years, 34 years, 40 years, 28 years. 20 years. <laughs> and then there was somebody yeah. that said one month and looking forward to the day I have 30 years. You know? and <laughs> That's so so nice. anyway, it's yeah. a culture that we've had people that, you know, generally make a career and stay here. Yes. And we have proven mm-hmm. statistics on that. However, here's the most important part of the answer to the question is, but we don't want to assume that and we don't want to take that for granted. We have to get better every day. And the way we get better is listen to the employees closely. Mm-hmm. Right? We're all part of the same team, right? Mm-hmm. Do the things that lead us to the future and keep the work exciting. And most mm-hmm. importantly, connect to the value of the corporation, the values of the corporation and the value delivery that, that we want to make. And so, so anyways, that's, you know, I don't want that to sound like too generic of an answer, but we just culturally believe in it. And yeah. in the technology team, it's been clear the, uh, you know, and obviously the most susceptible people to being recruited are the most advanced modern skills, right? right. And, um, but even in there, the turnover is only slightly, slightly above any mm-hmm. normal turnover. So, so we're, you know, again, this, this is an everyday battle like so many other things in business today, right? Mm-hmm. But we're, we're really focused on making sure the team members are empowered and valued and and that we have the flexibility that makes them want to be at FedEx for the long term. Okay. Great answer. Great answer. That was a very good question too. Our audience has been awesome with the questions. Um, I want to talk now, I want to pivot over to, I was going to ask an innovation kind of innovation culture sort of question, but I don't want to, I don't want to let you go before we talk about more, a little bit more about the data works business, because uh, I think you had, you made mention of something you called the four levels of clairvoyance in data. And I wrote that down in great big red letters because I thought that that was something that was pretty interesting to talk about here. And I think that it segues nicely into the entire innovation discussion as well. So let's talk about FedEx DataWorks and that those four levels of clairvoyance and data. We'll start out by you telling me what that means. Well, you know, I'll tell you what they are. And, and remember, you know, we've been a big data company forever because of course, we, we do billions, yeah. billions, literally, of transactions a day. The four yeah. levels are, you know, and this, and, and this, by the way, this isn't a FedEx only thing. You see this in the industry all the time. But mm-hmm. we use it to describe our mindset shift. You know, it Good. used to be, you know, that first level is what happened. You know, and in every business, especially a massive operational business like us that has to provide a unique service to customers, you know, we had all kind of reports and automation around what happened yesterday, the last sorts, the last flights. You know, mm-hmm. the first level is what happened. Second level is what is happening. And, you know, over the last 10 or so years, that got to be pretty common in all businesses, including ours. Real-time awareness of what's happening and so how you manage differently, how you run a sort or run your network and exactly in real time what's happening. Mm-hmm. The third level, though, and it's only, you know, it's getting more sophisticated now, but it is, you know, what will happen? And that's really a lot of our focus, you know, what will happen in creating truly sophisticated data models and the AI capabilities Mm -hmm. that 
that we optimize before it happens, right? That's that's the that's the real value. But the but the fourth level is the truly clairvoyant level, and that is what don't we know? You yeah. know, I'm a I'm a huge baseball fan, and the example is there were so many beliefs in baseball of like when you bunt a runner over and stuff that absolutely weren't true when you really mm-hmm. can look at the data, but people <laughs> believed them for decades. And now yeah. the data shows there's different things. Well, business is the same. There are mm-hmm. so many aspects of things we believed were most efficient. And we find out when you can look at, you know, like a global network in real time and you can create models that not only show what's happening, but simulate all different scenarios, you find things that you just didn't know. And that's a lot of the reason, you know, so I know you said it'll segue into your next question, but but mm-hmm. those four levels are why, the way we describe to people what we're after, describe to the team, describe to, you know, our business partners, et cetera. And uh, it's really those third and fourth levels that can create value that just either wasn't known or mm-hmm. value that's there that we haven't gotten yet. And so yeah. that's where that's why we decided to major in this, right? Create jobs mm-hmm. on assignments and put an organization, central focused, dedicated organization that does this for a living for the corporation and for our customers both. Mm-hmm. That's why we decided to centralize that. Well, and are there, they're not, mostly they're not emerging anymore. They're actually surging technologies. I think you call them like AI, machine learning, the IOT. I mean, how many billions of sensors are in all the FedEx businesses today? Are there any technologies that you think are going to be especially important for those third and fourth levels of clairvoyant data? Um, yeah, or I mean, something we can see today. Yeah, another great question. You know, I mean, I, I you know, I'll start at the boring. Side. I don't want to say boring, but the, the, uh, <laughs> face, the face, you know, the hyperscale of today oh, is what makes this all possible. Okay, yeah. about the massive hyperscale of cloud and and uh, and the capabilities we have to process and analyze and model things that just literally five years ago would have been either impossible or much harder. Mm-hmm. That that hyperscale is incredible. But then it's connecting, you know, I would say to us, you know, that's why I said it's a, even in our infrastructure, it's a colo strategy, it's a cloud strategy, and it's an edge mm-hmm. strategy. Because even when you think of a, a company like us with, you know, you know, thousands of facilities and, you know, a couple hundred thousand vehicles moving all the time, the compute on the edge and the scale at the edge of autonomy, automation, you know, robotics, et cetera, IOT, you know, just in our vaccine packages, you know, the most, you know, we, we like to call that the most important work we've done in the 50 years of FedEx is, you know, the the supporting the pandemic and, and movement mm-hmm. of vaccine packages. Well, every one of those that we call a sensorware ID node on them. And it's yeah. a, you know, it's a, it's an active sensor. And we were literally processing 25 billion transactions a day just from vaccine packages. And so, so that edge capability in all things connected in real time and at real scale, you know, mm-hmm. so I, I think it's not one answer to your question. I think yeah. it's the, it's the integration of these things coming together, especially mm-hmm. in a physical business, you know, especially autonomy, automation, IOT, all at scale, mm-hmm. real time, you know, analytics capabilities of today. I think that's really the, you know, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of other really cool technologies. We pay attention to them all. In fact, we do a portfolio day where we look at, you know, emerging companies and all kinds of things yeah, yeah, yeah. in a couple of weeks. 
But um, but anyways, you know, I, I could answer many different examples. But I I think that the heart of your question is what's where's where is it really going to make a difference? It's mm-hmm. all of that coming together that's making yeah. a difference. Yeah. Well, as we talk about a FedEx, and this isn't meant to be a commercial at all, but in every meeting all the time from the chairman down has been, you know, safety first and just mm -hmm. in safety technologies. And, and, you know, and, and, you know, and again, when we talk about, you know, automation and autonomy and stuff, it's, it's about how our team members can work more productively and safer, not, not replacing. And Mm -hmm. and that's a big part. And so we look at safety is always first and in all of this, Safety always comes up as, as the number one thing. And yeah. then there's all kind of other value too. Well, and, and in some ways it's a, a, a kind of unfair question to say, it's, it's like if you ask a great chef who's put together an amazing meal, say, tell me which one ingredient was the most important one. I mean, it could end up being water because without the water, you can't make the pasta, you know, that sort of thing. So, well, you know, I used, I, I said this a couple of different times, I think somewhere I said this publicly not too long ago, you know, one of our mutual friends, Charlie Feld, decades ago, said something to me that resonates every day. Decades ago, he said one day, I'm just talking, he said, you know, mm-hmm. I think the CIO title is wrong. It shouldn't be chief information officer, it should be chief integration officer. Yes. And, you know, and I thought at the time, I'm like, boy, Charlie, you're right. 20 years later, I think if it's about the value of what we can integrate at speed today and the scale yeah. we can integrate is so different. And that's where, that's why the answer to your question is, I said, I think it's the integration of some of these truly advanced things at hyperscale that mm-hmm. is changing everything. Yes. Well, and I've had the good fortune in my career a couple of times to have Charlie on stage and so I know that CIO stands for Chief Integration Officer um, argument. Very, It's not even an argument. I think it's absolutely true. And I think that's why we're seeing so many CIOs rise up into very significant business positions now. There are more of you out there that are becoming, you know, the SVP of supply chain, the CEOs, the chief, um, chief operating officers, uh, chief administrative officers. It's just... That whole chief thing, I think, has really come home to roost in IT, which is just well, it's very gratifying to see it. I love it. Yeah, and we're fortunate. You know, we've been led by one of the great innovators and in our, our mm-hmm. founder, Fred Smith, who now has just moved to executive chairman in a recent announcement. But now our president and CEO, Raj Subramaniam, he is you know a digital leader first, very focused mm-hmm. on digital, very focused on data. And, and so, you know, that's the, the great innovation and that great focus on digital and data is a perfect example of the, of, you know, tra- FedEx transitioning again mm-hmm. and keeping core focus on the future. Yeah. Well, and that's often my wrap up question is about leadership and things you've learned the, during the pandemic. But I think we've talked about that a lot already. So I want to f- sign off essentially with a little discussion about the innovation the innovation that is part of the DNA at FedEx. And I also wanted to congratulate you on yet another CIO 100 Innovation Award this year. And tell us a little bit about what you won the award for and what this says about FedEx and the keeping that innovation spirit humming along. Well, innovation has been in our DNA from you know, from again, from our founder and chairman, Fred Smith, and we always like to use that quote. And you know, Fred said in 1978 that the information about the package is just as important as the package itself. Today, that wouldn't mean much, but in 1978, it was so far out of its time. So yeah. innovation, you know, jobs versus assignments. There's jobs that are dedicated to innovation. But then, but on the other hand, innovation is everybody's job. The award was just one for our airline technologies group, which is, a, you know, it's a, it's a 
group in uh, a group under me that I, I'm just so proud of because they literally look at everything as being automated and you know innovate to break what things were assumed in the past. That a highly regulated part of our business that it was you know riddled with paper and all the processes of paper we become paperless and we believe we're the first paperless airline in the in the mm-hmm. industry. But basically, it's an autom- It's a digitizing of everything to create real time information using AI over things like, you know, for maintenance issues, predictive, what is the, you know, what is this issue? What's the predictive repair? And putting this in our maintenance tech's hands, our pilot's hands, you know, everybody in the airline. So basically, you know, that what we won the award for was this full-blown, you know, in the innovation around changing all the way the airline works and digitizing every aspect of it. Yes. And uh, his team's been at it, and, uh, and and it's just so advanced in what we can do in the airline part of our business today. Faster cycle times, less downtime of aircraft, more efficiency for our pilots, you know, mm-hmm. absolute time saving for our maintenance technicians who are just such an important part of our business. So anyways, that that's in a, in a short answer. That's what it's about. All right. Well, that's great. And uh, it's especially apropos since you've got one of those FedEx planes parked outside your virtual window there behind you. (laughs) So thank you so much for joining me today, Ken. Um, As I predicted, our hour here flew by and we had wonderful questions from the audience. And we've really appreciated having you here today to fill us in on everything going on um, for the global operating companies at FedEx. Well, thank you, Mary Fran. It's an honor to you know be on your show, and it's always great to see you. So thanks for having you me. You too, sir. All righty. If you joined us a little late today, do not despair. You can watch full episodes later today here on LinkedIn and also on CIO.com in our library of Leadership Live broadcasts and also on YouTube on our IDG Tech Talk channel. CIO Leadership Live is also available as an audio podcast on wherever you listen to your podcasts. And we want to thank our new sponsor as well, um, the uh, Fairfax County, Virginia Economic Development Association. Check them out. And I hope you enjoyed this conversation today with CIO Ken Spangler as much as I did, and that you'll join us again two weeks from now at noon Eastern on Wednesday, April 20th. And when we'll be uh, talking then with CIO David Rice of the University of Miami Health System. We really appreciate having you here and tuning in today. Do take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel, Tech Talk, where you can find all of the previous, I think it's 84 now, episodes of CIO Leadership Live. Stay well, and we'll see you here again next time. Thanks. This podcast is produced by IDG Communications Incorporated.